So let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. We're going to uh, continue, probably finish out our series on joy. And uh, I wanted to look a little closer at Paul and Silas in prison. I did a little bit of research this weekend and um, after Christmas and uh, was looking. You know, I went to Rome in uh, the mid-90s, but I didn't know Italian. And I still really don't know Italian. I know a little bit, but not, not enough to, to do much. But... Uh, I wasn't able to like go see all of the things I wanted to see, but where I, what I did see was we lived in, um, I lived just um, north of a town called Pozzoli, and the Bible is called Puteoli, and uh, that's where Paul landed on his way to Rome. And so I got to go and see uh, the, what do you call that, the dock or whatever where he landed, the port, and uh, then they have a church there with his you know, name on it and, and those type of things. And uh, then they have their, there's like three amphitheaters in Italy, you know, the biggest and most popular, of course, is the Colosseum in Rome. And then there's an amphitheater uh, there in uh, uh, Pozzoli. And uh, got to go see that one. And that one you can actually go, I don't know if you've ever been to Rome or, or known people that, that went, but you can't really go, at least when I went, you couldn't go under the, where the floor was, and it's actually all... Most of it's kind of like destroyed. You can't go on top of it. You can just see where the chambers were. Well, there where we were at, you could actually go underneath and you could see all the caverns and everything underneath where they would have the animals and the people and those type of things. It's, it's a surreal experience for a Christian because so many Christians, of course, were martyred for their faith. And um, so it's, it's kind of a privilege to get to see, but it's not like, whoa. I'm really excited to see this. But in Rome, I, I never went and saw the prison he was he was kept in. Uh, but this weekend I, I looked it up and I saw it. And the, there's actually, it's the cell that he was in is like in the ground. And so it's only, I think it was 18 inches or something like that, 18 or 20 inches around. And that's the only way in or out of that cell. Um, and so they would open it up and put him in and that's where they would get food and water and everything else. And then it's not even that tall in there. And... Um, I think now they have it. Have you been there? It's, now it's tacky. It's a 3D. And I think you can like walk down to it now. They made stairs to get to it. Yeah. So you can go in it. You can go in it and look at it. And um, anyhow, there's a lot of great things on the internet that you can find as far as pictures and those type of things. But it's, it's fun to me to look at that, to put yourself in Paul's place. And in this case, Paul and Silas. And you can do the same thing at Philippi. Um, where they were here in Acts chapter 16. And you can look and see like the actual prison cell where Paul and Silas were kept, if you go online. And um, I was going to show you the picture from there this morning, but I had a few challenges while I was <laughs> trying to set, the, set that up. So um, you can Google it. Uh, but it, it was basically right now, as you can see, there's like three poles, no, two poles, and it's like in the side of a hill. So this prison was like all stone, and then his actual cell or their cell uh, was maybe, I would say maybe seven feet tall, so it's not real tall, and it was probably about, I don't know, 10 feet by 15 feet, not bigger than that, uh, not very big. And of course, the gate's not there, you know, the earthquake kind of got rid of the gate and, and then over time 
Let's pick up in Acts chapter 16 and verse 14. This is right after, um, well, let's, let's start with verse, verse 10. Acts chapter 16, verse 10. And after he had seen a vision, immediately when we endeavored to go to Macedonia, <clears throat> assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Simonthrusria, <clears throat> and the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia. And a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city to a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spoken to the woman uh, that was there. So uh, they went to Philippi. There's no churches there. But they went down to the river, which was actually a place of prayer there. And they're going to meet this, this lady. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us whose heart the Lord had opened, that she had attended unto us the things uh, which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she um, constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So it's a little girl telling fortunes. And... You know, apparently she was pretty good at it because she brought not a little gain, but much gain. So a lot of increase, a lot of money to uh, her masters or her bosses. Uh, the same followed Paul, meaning that girl followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are, are servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. I think I was reading that to my kids a few weeks ago, and they're like, what, what, she, what was, she was possessed, but what was she saying? Uh, you know, even the devil knows God and the devil knows Jesus. He actually knows him pretty well because he's the one that defeated him. And um, so verse 18, and this she did many days. But Paul being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. So this actually went on day after day after day after day that she's like, these men are servants of the most high God who come to teach us the way of salvation. These men are servants of the most high God who come to teach us the way of salvation. And um, it wasn't just like one day or two days. It says many days uh, that she would do this until Paul was finally grieved in his spirit. And, uh, you know, I know many times you'll have something and, um, that's not right and we look at it and we want to give like the command of faith and say like, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out. Uh, but sometimes on the inside, we just don't have that unction, that oomph, right? So you can, you can uh, conquer anything by faith, but you should always also be led by the Spirit of God. So Paul, this girl did this day after day after day after day. Perhaps, you know, the first day he thought, oh, that's kind of cute. You know, she's saying this and, you know, uh, she's preaching for us. She's declaring for us. And then eventually he just, she did it and he was grieved. He's like, this isn't right. So uh, many times I think we get grieved in our spirit or something catches our attention and that's the time to speak. That's the time to command because you're like, no, it's not going to be this way. We're not going to have this. We stop it now in the name of Jesus. And um, Sometimes we want to say that, but um, what do you say? There's no power there. 
or it feels like empty words would be a good way to say it. I know Dad Hagen, he traveled for years and years, and his family had to stay home while he was traveling. And his daughter um, ended up getting a, like some kind of, kind of a sty or a growth on her eye. And um, so his wife, Aretha, wrote him and said, hey, you know, Pat has uh, this growth on her eye. So he said, you know, he was telling us, he said, he said, I didn't pray right away. He said, because, you know, some things, he said, particularly with, with sickness or disease, if it's not urgent, immediate, like they're on their deathbed dying right now, he said, you don't necessarily have to pray right away, and it's not always best to pray right away. So he said, what I did is I went through my entire Bible and re-looked at every single healing scripture that was in there, turned to it and saw it. He said, I have most of them memorized, but I turned to it and saw it. And that's a good lesson for all of us that, you know, sometimes we may feel like, oh, I've heard that or I know that. But to let that, your eyes fall on that and then let it come into your heart, meditate on it, think on it, go back over it again. So it took him, you know, he was preaching, and I think only night meetings at those meetings, and he was preaching, but it still took him two or three days to get through all of the healing scriptures. So he gets through all the healing scriptures. Then he spoke the word of faith, the command of faith. Excuse me, when he got home, that thing had fallen off, and it was gone. But a lot of times what uh, we want to do is say, well, like, you know, uh, redemption is ours and healing is part of redemption so I'm just going to speak to the thing and um, like I said and like he said if, you, if it's a dire situation you know in the hospital or you're about to die or you know, something go right ahead you need to the Lord that's what I love about the Lord he knows your heart and he knows your situation like he actually knows your situation better than you know it and um, so uh, he understands what we're going through but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as we hear the word of God, as we hear ourselves speak the word of God, as we let our eyes fall on the word of God, it becomes real to us. The Holy Spirit makes the word of God real. So the faith doesn't come by having heard. And faith is like, okay, I, I read all of that. Now what's the next book I should read? Maybe, maybe I should read some historical books about the Bible. That's not, the Bible's not that kind of book. The Bible's not a history book. It does have history in it, but it's not a history book. The Bible's a living book. And so the same way that, you know, if you had breakfast this morning or you're going to have lunch or dinner tonight, that you wouldn't stop and say this week, well, I've eaten for the week, so I don't need to eat anymore. It's the same way with the Word of God. Um, you know, we should feed our spirits on the Word of God. And one of my favorite Smith Wigglesworth quotes is he said... Um, that after every meal, no matter where he's staying or who he's with, I always make sure that I have a time of reading the word and prayer. He said, I feed my, feed my body three meals a day. Why would I feed my spirit any less? And of course, you see, he was recorded 21 people raised from the dead through his ministry. So, uh, you know, we, we've been in ministry for quite a while, uh, senior pastoring only for about a year. But um, you find real quick that you can receive from the Word of God at great meetings, great church services. And then, uh, you know, Jesus said in the parable of the sower, what did he talk about? He's like, you know, there's seed that's being sown. Some on good ground, some on bad ground. And what kind of fruit does it produce? And then some, the devil comes to try to steal. So a lot of times, most of the time, when we hear the Word of God, the devil's right there to try and take that from us. Why? Because 
if we can get that word and get it implanted into our spirits where we can't be separated from it, he's lost us in that area, right? Because you may see somebody that has great faith for finances, so they're very financially blessed, but maybe they don't have hardly any faith for healing. Maybe they don't have hardly any faith for winning people to the Lord. Or you may see, see people that have a lot of faith to get people born again. You see whole denominations that way. Like that's, that's where they have focused their faith and that's what they know. And in, in most cases, the denomination I'm thinking of, particularly it's because they actually don't know. They're ignorant of the other stuff, being filled with the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit. Um, and so you can have faith in one area and doubt in, in another. So we want to make sure that, that our um, faith is built up and um, firm. And the way that faith is strong is by hearing the word of God. And that, you know, in the Greek, it's actually hearing and hearing. It's a present tense, like you're currently hearing. In other words, it's being poured in. I think I said a few months ago when I was flying, you know, looking over Detroit and I saw the cargo ships being loaded down and I saw like, uh, I didn't actually see this because we were too high, but I could see the cargo ships in the ports. So I imagined like those big... Uh, things that pour out the grain. I don't know what the technical term is for it, but pouring grain, because I've seen them do it, not in an airplane, just filling that ship up and it begins to sink lower and lower into the water. And that's why they have those, those marker lines so they know how full to fill it so they don't, they don't overfill it. Well, that ship is being filled with that pouring in. And um, so we're to always be in a state of being filled with the Spirit of God. And we should be in a state of receiving faith. Or I could say, activating the faith that we have or awakening the faith that we have or making sure that the condition of the faith that we have is great faith, is strong faith. Because Jesus Christ came to set us free from all of the power of the devil, to set us free from the bondage or the chains that the devil would bring. In other words, something that's going to hold us down and hold us back. And Jesus himself came to set us free from that. And he sets us free from that not by things that we do. In other words, if I uh, read my Bible every day, if I pray every day for 30 minutes, if I do this or if I do that, then um, Jesus will set me free. Now, the work of Christ is a work of grace, and it comes by faith. So in other words, we believe that Jesus himself set us free and we receive that. It's a grace, it's a, it's a gift that we didn't work for. And so, but where we get tripped up is, you know, I mean, I had good parents growing up and so they taught me if you work hard, if you're diligent, then you'll get a good paycheck, you'll be able to support yourself. And so I try to bring that over into my spiritual walk. So if I, if I do enough, then I'll get the blessings of God. Well, that's where we kind of get askewed. So we actually don't want to focus on, I've got to do these 10 things. If I, if I punch these 10 things or do these 10 accomplishments, I'm going to get promoted in the kingdom of God. You know, we actually have more rewards in heaven based on what we do here. The Bible teaches us that. But we receive from God by faith. And so we trust God that he'll do what he said he would do. And where, where we get uh, hooked up, like, uh, or what do you call it, snagged up, like I was saying, is that we'll start to turn our faith into works. So God always wants us to operate by faith. 
So what I'm doing, I'm reading the word and I'm strengthening my faith. I'm awakening my faith is I'm saying not, okay, I read 20 chapters this morning. How many did you read? You know, I'm, I'm so much better. Or if you're not looking at to other people, you even just look at yourself and say, well, I read 20 chapters this morning. Where our heart's attitude should be, I connected with God this morning because my life, I can't live the life I'm supposed to without being exposed to him, without being exposed to his word because that's when I become who I'm meant to be, who I was called to be. That's the self that everybody likes to be around because it's in Christ. And so it can be a, somewhat of a subtle difference, but it's very significant in that our faith is clinging to and holding on to the relationship with Jesus Christ and relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. But that's when we have our faith awakened. So our faith is active. So you can have faith that's not awakened or active. You can actually have a dead faith, but technically you still have faith. It's just dead. So a dead faith, like if I was dead up here, I wouldn't be doing you much good. I'm just dead. But once my faith is awakened and alive, it can actually do you some good. It can do those around you some good. So we want to make sure that our faith is awakened and alive. So back to the story with Dad Hagen. So he was taken and he was um, having his faith in the most active, life-filled possible condition to speak to a natural condition so that there's not room for any doubt. You know, especially in your own body, when you have pain and you feel different things in your body, it's real easy to be moved by what you feel. As much as we don't want to be moved by what we feel, as much as we say, I'm not moved by what I feel, sometimes you feel something and you want to be moved by it and you are moved by it. So what you do is you take the word of God and you focus more on the word of God than what you do on the problem so that that can become the dominant force in your life. So that you say, you know what? I actually feel terrible, but I'm not moved by what I feel. I believe the word of God. And the word of God says, by Jesus stripes, I was healed. And he's not a liar. If he said it, that's the way it is. And so I take it, I receive it. It's not really up to me to like make it show up in my body. That's the Lord's job. It's for me to believe and not doubt. If you believe and don't doubt, you'll see the glory of the Lord. And so I believe and I don't doubt. So she did this um, many days. Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And uh, he came out the same hour. Interesting side note that it doesn't say, and he immediately came out. It says he came out the same hour. So when we speak in faith and we act in faith, it doesn't really matter what happens at the immediate moment because we know we've released that. We've spoken that word, and now it's working. And now it has to come to pass. Brother Hagen went and ministered to a lady who was in an insane asylum. And, um, you know, he was actually afraid to go in there because when he was young, his mother uh, kind of went crazy. And um, they would have to watch her in the kitchen that she wouldn't get a butcher knife and go kill herself um, because she was kind of... Uh, just different circumstances, different things. She had some mental issues. And um, so mental issues always bothered him in ministry. And then at this particular uh, point in his life, uh, someone needed to be ministered to. So to make a long story short, he went and he ministered to this woman that was in an institution in a locked room. And, um, you know, when he ministered to her, uh, 
it seemed like nothing changed. And then like the next day, somebody said, oh, she's, you know, she's worse. She's not any better. And he said, what of it? I spoke the word of faith. It's done. And I, th- I don't remember the exact uh, uh, days, but within a short period of time, she was completely set free and never came back again. But he said, I had spoken the word of faith and I knew that it was done, that it was taken care of. And one of the reasons he could stand so firmly on that is he knew the word of God. And if you look at the word of God, even Jesus, when he commanded the devil to come out of, uh, I don't remember who it was right now, but I think it was a young child, then it actually says that the demons threw him on the ground So Jesus himself spoke to those demons, said, I command you to come out in the name of Jesus. And then it says that the demon threw the child on the ground and shook him, and it looked like he died. So it looked like Jesus was actually a flat failure in that instance, in that circumstance. Uh, So, you know, we're not going to likely have better results than what Jesus Christ himself had. You know, the Bible says that, you know, we'll do greater works than him but you can look at his life, as we talked about when we kind of launched the church there, that um, he's a great example for us to follow. So a lot of times we want to say like, well, I prayed for this person and they weren't healed or what happened here? If Jesus prayed for somebody, if Jesus was here, they would be healed. No, no, they wouldn't. Not necessarily. Uh, Jesus went to his own hometown and it says he couldn't do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So really, my ability to minister is, is hindered by your belief or unbelief. And your ability to minister is hindered by the belief or unbelief of people that you're around. So the answer to unbelief is what Jesus did. He went about teaching and preaching. Because if we can teach and preach the word of God and get the word of God into ourselves and into other people, then we can believe more. If we can believe more, we can receive more. Because it's by faith that we receive from God. So uh, when her master saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they got upset. They caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace to the rulers and besought them, brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. Uh, They didn't notice, they didn't say, like, these men have come and took our way of getting money away. They're like, they're they're teaching customs. These aren't right. These aren't right customs. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded uh, to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. So Paul and Silas are beaten. First, they have a whole mob of people come up against them, hurling all these accusations against them. And then the guys in charge, the rulers, uh, had them bound and whipped them. So they're in a lot of bodily pain. Pain. Verse 24, having received such a charge, they thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. So I was talking about the, the prisons, like this prison in Philippi here is on the side of a hill. And it's this whole stone prison. And you can look on, online and see shots of the outside of the prison. And then you can see the actual cell. So they're like in the innermost part. So if you look at the outside, you don't actually see their cell, but you see this prison that's maybe, I don't know, twice as big as this room it looked like. And um, in a width, and then it goes up the side of the mountain. And then back into the side, you can look at the other shot, and you see this shot of this, this uh, small cell that they were uh, thrown into. So, you know, it wasn't like, here, let me lead you into the cell. They threw them into the cell. So they had beat them uh, and um, 
threw them into the cell, and then once they threw them into the cell, then they fastened their hands and feet. It says they made their uh, feet uh, fast into the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. So um, they're thrown in, and I want you to like feel with me their condition. So they went, and you know they talked to Lydia, and she actually gave them a place to stay, and said, "Oh, we're so glad you're here." And then they got this little girl delivered, and this is after the Lord gave a vision to them and said, "I want you to go over here." So they're going over here, and they've like got this result of this girl. And the result of them getting this girl set free by the power of God is they get talked about, they get beaten, they get thrown into the innermost prison. So, you know, and it's around midnight. The, the King James says it's midnight. Depending on the translations you read, it'll say just before midnight, around the time of midnight. It's basically the darkest time of day. And they're thrown in this prison. And they did what the Lord said. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, I think most church people would say, well, we must have missed God. What did we do? What did we do to deserve this? You know, how are we um, in the will of God because everything's going wrong? We only got this one girl set free. And what good did that do us? Because now we're in prison. Now we can't talk to anybody else but the jailers. And they threw us in the innermost prison. And they, you know, they locked our feet up and locked our hands up. And I like, um, you know, Pastor Mark is my pastor, so I like to quote him. But he said, you know, they, should, they, uh, they said, well, you locked my feet, you locked my hands, but you should have taken my mouth shut. <laughs> because now I can pray and I can praise. And you can see, I'm assuming most of us know this story, when they begin to sing and to praise um, or to pray and sing praises to God, sudden, suddenly there was an earthquake. Yeah. So they're in this prison, which is probably cold and damp and very uncomfortable. And they've just been beaten. And, uh, you know, we just went on a, a, came home from my parents for Christmas on Friday. And, um, you know, my back was a little sore from, I don't know, driving all that way or sleeping wrong. I was trying to figure out what in the world it was sore from. But that's just a little sore. And when I was studying for this, I thought about that. And I thought, man, you know, sometimes you're just like, you know, Melody, would you mind like rubbing my back right here? So, but they're like in stocks. So Silas can't rub Paul's back. And, you know, uh, Paul can't rub Silas' back. And on top of that, their backs are bleeding. They've been whipped. So you probably don't want somebody to rub your open sore. And um, so they're in this condition, in this filthy prison. And... Um, you know, we look, like when I read it, I read through verse 26, and suddenly there was an earthquake, right? So you read it, I read it, and we say, oh, they're in prison, but they get out. They didn't know that. Yeah. So they're in the prison, beaten. The Lord told us to go here, like, what's going on? Yeah. Are we going to be killed in the morning, right? So under those conditions, they are, they're in this dark, bleak time. And they see no hope, like how to get out. So take that and put that in your life. Put it in my life. You may have, I don't care the situation. When you're in the middle of the situation, it seems dark and it seems bleak and it seems like there's no way out. 
whether it's a financial situation, whether it's a physical situation, whether it's a relationship situation, whether it's a mental situation, whether it's a depression situation, whether it's family not coming to the Lord situation, whether it's, you know, planting a church situation, you can put whatever label you want on it. But as you begin to look at your situation, you start to see all of the impossibilities. So you look at your physical condition and you see the impossibilities. And then what you do to make yourself feel better is you go online and you look at all of the symptoms associated with your condition and all of the results associated with your condition. Or whether, um, you know, it's this or that. And then you start to talk to maybe friends, maybe godly friends. And you start to get information, information, information. When the first place we should go is to the Word of God. Because the Word of God will bring light and understanding to the situation. When Brother Hagin was um, in ministry, he pastored for uh, 13 years. He pastored churches. And then uh, two years there at the beginning, he also traveled. So for the first 15 years of ministry, he pastored 13 and traveled two. And then after that 15 years, the Lord said, you know, um, at the church he was at, you know, uh, that uh, are going to, that he's going to pastor this church and that's the last church you'll ever pastor, the Lord told him. And he said, you know, you got to be careful how you put an interpretation on that because that could mean like you're going to die at that church or you're going to stay at that church forever or you'll pastor that church and then finish and you'll never pastor again. But like, what's the interpretation of what the Lord said? And um, more times than not, we miss it, not by the Lord not speaking to us, but the Lord speak to us and we put our interpretation on what the Lord said. So we're kind of like, okay, this is what that means. And um, so anyhow, um, he, while he was... Uh, getting ready to go to that church, he decided, uh, that's when he did some travel ministry, well, I'm just going to uh, travel. I'm not going to, um, uh, no, no, after he, excuse me, after he uh, was pastor in that church, he decided that he wanted to um, stay home because the Lord told him it's time to travel. And so he and his wife kind of separately decided like, uh, I, don't, I don't think this is worth it. So they were uh, getting stirred up about this, trying to figure out what they should do. So he talked to some ministers, and the minister said, well, you know, a father's supposed to be home with his kids. You shouldn't be out there traveling. You need to stay home with your kids. And he said, you know, uh, I followed their advice, and I almost died. Because what happened is he was out there traveling, and, you know, he was healed of an incurable blood disease and a heart disease. His heart was actually deformed. And... Um, he was healed of that. And then he was traveling at this church. And while he's there, um, the Sunday school teacher's teaching and his heart stopped. And, you know, he was like calling out for help. And they like carried him across the room and his heart didn't beat the whole way across the room. So they're like crying. They're like, he's dying on our hands. What's going on? And his wife had actually closed up her Bible in her Sunday school class and was coming to find him because she knew in her spirit something was wrong. Something's not, not going right. So they had to make a consecration and dedication to the Lord that, Lord, we're going to do your will. We're going to follow what you called us to do. I don't care, you know, uh, what it costs. We're going to do it. And, um, but the point of me telling that story was he said when he had asked advice of well-meaning ministers, they said, um, well, you know, you ought to be home. He said what they should have said was, you know what, I'll pray for you. So, uh, you know, sometimes we want to voice what we know of the word of God or of a situation, but it's always good to check with the Lord and find out what, what's the Lord saying. Because your situation, my situation, is not explicitly mentioned here in the Bible. It doesn't say, Timothy, 
uh, except for to Timothy. It doesn't say, Timothy, you should do such and such and you know, use this building or do this or do that. But the Lord will, will lead us and guide us uh, by his spirit. So they're in this innermost prison. And, you know, like, what are we supposed to do? So in your life and in my life, when we're in our innermost prison, like the worst situation, or maybe it feels like the worst situation, then what do we do? So it says that they prayed and sang praises to God. So a lot of times we'll pray, but we don't necessarily praise. I want to read you um, two different translations of this um, passage, uh, verse 16, 25. We read King James, which says, At midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Woos translation says, While they were praying... Uh, they were also singing praises to God, mingling petitions with songs of praise. While engaged in prayer, uh, this is World's translation, A.S. World. While engaged in prayer, they were singing praise to God. Somebody said uh, that praise is the highest type of prayer. And I think that's probably really true, that when you are praying and you just begin to praise God and to focus on God and um, let your heart express to the Lord, thanksgiving and praise, you're entering a higher type of prayer. So it says, while they were praying, mingled with praise. So it's like together. They're praying and praising. Or you could say like the highest type of prayer. And um, that suddenly an earthquake came and the whole foundations of the prison shook. So if you want to like change the foundation of your situation, it's not time to just pray, but to pray and to praise or to pray mingled with praise, to lift your voice. And I know um, when I have had uh, attacks, maybe like an attack of, oh, you want to feel depressed would come on you or an attack of sickness would, would uh, try to come on you um, or even a financial attack would come on you that the way that I've been set free in those situations is by praising God. So I'd pray and I would command like, you know, the devil, if he's involved, like get off my mind, you know, get off my body. You just stop it in the name of Jesus. But it's not always directly the work of the devil. Um, sometimes it's just because sin is in the world. So then sickness is there. And, you know, sometimes it's your own thoughts that, you, that hold you captive. And, um, or sometimes it's your own financial mismanagement that holds you captive uh, in, in debt and your bad decisions. So you pray and you begin to praise. And what happens a lot of times is you say, well, like, I don't really feel like praising the Lord right now. You know? And uh, like this morning, a lot of stuff was not working very well. So I'm just like, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Like, like you know, you're like, you're, your flesh is like holding back everything that you can possibly like trying to like stop you from praising the Lord, but you push through by the Spirit. And what starts as maybe just mouthing something, glory to God, praise the Lord, as you continue and as you connect your heart with the Lord begins to build and it's stronger and it's stronger and then that voice begins to penetrate through the situation and the darkness, the dark situation, the midnight situation flees, flees. Uh, the Bible actually says, resist the devil and he'll flee. And one dictionary says, uh, run from you as in terror. So in your situation, 
today, this week, next month, next year, whenever that dark situation comes, because it comes to all of us, let's not just pray, but let's begin to praise. Let's lift our voice to the Lord. And it gives him access. There's something about the power of praise that can change a situation when nothing else can. And I think it's because we begin to magnify the Lord. And the Lord does not get any bigger. But when we hear our voice praise God and magnify God, it's like us putting a magnifying glass up to God. We begin to see, whoa, he's bigger than this. He's bigger than this. He's bigger than this. He's bigger than this. Well, he's bigger than everything. So the praises of your lips actually bring us into the presence of God. And if you could ever see, one of, my, one of the prayers that I pray quite frequently is, Lord, let me see your perspective. I want to see the way you see. Because I know his perspective is right and true and whole. You know, I'm 40 years old, um, so you learn a lot of things just by being alive. And, you know, if I've learned one thing, it's that uh, my perspective is not complete (laughs) on your situation, even on my situation. And sometimes, you know, probably most of the time, I want to think I have the complete perspective on my situation because it's my situation. I don't have the complete perspective on my situation. And like I said, I've been alive just long enough to realize that I don't have the complete perspective on my situation. So I want to get his perspective. I want to see the way he sees. And I know, like Paul said, even with a supernatural manifestation of the Spirit of God, even if I have a vision from the Lord, even if I have prophecy that comes forth concerning my situation, I see through a glass darkly, right? But the Lord gives me what I need just enough so that I can step out in faith, so that I can believe him and trust him and watch him come through. And so um, I like to see from his perspective. From Paul and Silas's perspective, it could have been the end. But they chose not to stick with what they could see, feel, or hear. They said, I'm going to stick with trusting God. And I don't know what to do right now, but I know God knows. The way I connect with God is I pray and sing praises. Or I pray mingled with praise, mingled with shouts of glory. Because really, the Bible says um, that they didn't say, praise the Lord, glory to God. It actually says that the prisoners heard them. So they were actually not quiet. They were loud because the prisoners heard them and they were in the innermost prison. And so they began to sing and to praise. And um, when they praised, an earthquake came struck the foundation, everyone's bands were loosed. Everyone. So their praise affected everyone around them. And actually, their praise so affected everyone around them that the jailer thought he had lost everything and was going to kill himself. But Paul shouted, don't hurt yourself, don't hurt yourself, we're all here. So much were they affected by the power of God and set free that the other prisoners wanted to stay and see what was going on. And Paul didn't leave. And by their trust and their faith, the prisoner, excuse me, the guard and his whole family got saved and got born again. So we can turn like a dark situation that could actually mean our death and our destruction or the end of what we're doing. Turn that whole situation into a revival where you've got people that were unbelievers that are actually the ones that did this evil thing to us and locked us up so we couldn't do anything. They're the ones, their lives get changed. 
and then their families' lives get changed, and then they're baptized, and now we have multiplied the work of God. All by them not trusting in themselves, but trusting in God. And so, if you'll stand with me, I would like to end out by praising the Lord and um, giving Him glory. You can sit, that's okay. So maybe it's not your situation in your life today, or maybe, it's, maybe there's a situation in your, someone that's close to you, their life, but I want you to, if you have a situation, just think about that situation for a second, and then we're going to put that situation under, because the Bible says that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, the rulers of the darkness of this world. And any situation that you're in that feels like prison, that seems like prison, that smells like prison, you know, is from the devil. It's not from God. Uh, God gives freedom. With the Spirit of the Lord, there's freedom, there's liberty. Um, But the devil brings uh, bondage. So now with that situation in mind, if you don't have a situation at the moment, it doesn't matter. One of the best things you could ever do is just lift your voice and praise God because the times when I get the most contact with God and hear from God the most is when I begin to praise Him and thank Him for who He is. So I want you to think about um, that situation and then I want you to ask the Lord to intervene in that situation and then begin to thank the Lord and to praise the Lord and to give Him glory Heavenly Father, we thank you for the name of Jesus. We thank you that you are greater than any force in the world, that you're greater than any devil, any demon, any thought. Father, any financial bondage, that you're greater than any sickness, greater than any disease. Oh, Father God, I thank you that Jesus himself defeated the devil in all of his power, all of his ways, all of his sicknesses, and he set us free. Oh, hallelujah, glory to God, hallelujah. Thank you, Father, that you are good and your mercy endures forever, that every day we wake up, there's new mercy, new grace, new help, new health. Oh, Father, we thank you that you created our bodies, that you know our bodies better than we know our own bodies, Father, that you know us in our innermost parts, the most intricate parts of our bodies, that you are our healer. We declare that you have healed us by the stripes of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're a healing God, that you're a healing Father. Oh, Father, thank you for your love, that you've loved us with a love that our minds can't comprehend. Oh, Father, that you've loved us like no one's ever loved us, that you've thought of us like no one's ever thought of us. Father, we thank you that you've set us free from evil thoughts of the devil, from bondage, from from, uh, chains that the devil would bring against our minds. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. You are on our side. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Greater is he that's in me and he that's in the world. The greater one lives in me. The greater one dwells in me. The glory of God is my constant companion. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise your name, Father. Glory to God. Your good and your mercy endures forever. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we're no longer bound. No longer bound. No longer held back. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. 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 Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Oh, hallelujah. Use us the way you want to use us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Glory, 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 glory. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise God. Yeah. Let me get that. As you begin to praise the Lord in your Shevrege, Sutumbavre de Desimore, and Rosso Beri Desigo, you se mari eseri and tu se beri esu de sombre de dase rucari estenoria vesia. Praise God. As you begin to praise the Lord, you'll see a light that begins to shine, a little pinhole of light that begins to shine in the dark situation. And the light will begin to drive out the darkness. And as the light becomes brighter and brighter, as you praise and as you lift your voice and as you focus on me and my kingdom, you'll find that darkness will totally flee and utterly be defeated. For the light drives out the darkness and the dark situation cannot stay and cannot remain when the light is revealed. So lift your voice and praise my name. Lift your voice and make a joyful noise unto the Lord, and you'll see dark situations, they will flee. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You have anything else? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, praise your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So rejoice, rejoice in me. Rejoice in the Lord and sere esudra ha ha ha. Si pore kitaro ha ha ha. And zedrete esute esa ha ha ha. kusa brede de daso. And also, and the soul from the sisi ere esufero. And it springs forth the mer osufere estete. Hallelujah. 
So rejoice and rejoice and rejoice in me. Don't rejoice in what you see, but rejoice in me. Rejoice in me, what you see will flee. Rejoice in me and you'll have victory. Rejoice in me and your voice will change. You'll hear yourself say, oh, that's not the way it's been, but it's going to change. It's going to change for the glory of God has shown up on the scene. Rejoice in me and you'll have victory. Victory in your voice, victory in your life, and victory in your situation. So rejoice in me and destruction and famine and lack will surely, surely flee. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Father, we rejoice in you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, you're good and your mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. We choose to believe you. We choose to trust you. Oh, we declare that your way is true. Hallelujah. That the supernatural actually affects the natural. Glory to God. Oh, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I think I just have one other thing. So there's a, a glimmer of light and a glimmer of hope out on the horizon. As you look out, don't look near, but look afar, and you'll see a glimmer of light and a glimmer of hope getting brighter and brighter and stronger and stronger. As that glimmer of light and that glimmer of hope gets brighter and brighter and stronger and stronger, and you lift your voice, you'll be connected with the, the, that glimmer of light. And that glimmer of light will cause you to rise above and not be beneath, but to rise above because you're focusing on the kingdom from above. And the words that you speak are words of faith. The words that you speak are words of joy. The words that you speak are words of rejoicing. They're words of the kingdom. They're words of praise and glory and grace. So tap in. Tap into the grace of praise. Tap into the grace of lifting your voice. Tap into the grace of where you take your place, you speak, and you run your race. Tap into that grace, and you'll find, oh, it's a great, great place, and it's a great, great pace. So I can fulfill my call, I can finish my race, and I can finish it with joy. I can finish it with glory. I can finish it with hope, and I can finish it in faith, because I've set my heart and set my affection on my God. And so I lift my voice unto Him in the morning, and I lift my voice unto Him at lunch, and I lift my voice unto Him even in the nighttime. As I awaken in the nighttime, I praise my Father. I lift my voice. I lift my hands and I praise Him. I praise Him in the sanctuary. I praise Him in my house. I praise Him in my job. And I praise Him in my car. For He is my God and He has turned my situation around. He has sent destruction fleeing and He has set me free so that I am not bound and I am not held back by what men would say or women would say and I'm not held back by what my family would say but I'm set free that I can walk in grace, that I I can walk in freedom and I can walk in victory and I can walk in God's plan for my life. So now I look to my Father who is in heaven and I look to Him. I look to Him that lives within me. I look to Him that gives me direction. I look to Him that gives me light. I look to Him that gives me direction and understanding. I look to Him that doesn't bring fear and doesn't bring fright but brings bright light. 
I look to him that is within and he guides my path. He shows the way. He opens the new path. He opens the doors and he sets me free. So now that I'm free, I rejoice and I dance and I praise. And when the darkness comes, I lift my voice and I rejoice for I'll not be dominated by the flesh and I'll not be dominated by the devil because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that would attack me. Greater is he that's in me than the thoughts that may come against my mind. So I lift my voice and I rejoice and I place myself in the place of heaven. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I'm set free. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I can dance and I can shout and I can rejoice because he set me free and he gave me victory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's all lift our hands. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your freedom. We thank you for your light. We thank you for your revelation. Father, we thank you for your word. Oh, Father, thank you that you are alive in us today. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over every one of us, over our families, over things that concern us. Father, over things that concern you. Your will will be done on earth in this place. In the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for your calling upon each and every person that's here, each and every person that's listening. Father, I pray that each of us would enter into and rise to the full potential of the calling that you have on our lives. Father, I thank you for words to speak that drive back the darkness. Father, I thank you for praise that arises in our hearts. Father, I pray for boldness for each of us to lift our voice and to praise you in our darkest hour. Boldness to speak your word. Boldness to stand against the devil. Boldness to drive back those forces. Father, I thank you that it's not in our power, our strength that we do any of this, Father, but it's by the power and by the blood of Jesus. Oh, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Oh, hallelujah. We declare Jesus is Lord. Say it with me. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank Praise you. God. Hallelujah. God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.